G'day, mate. Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, before we get started with this episode, I just want to say a big thank you for downloading The Top Step podcast, clicking subscribe, telling all your mates, and uh, making sure this thing starts to grow. I'm having an absolute blast. It's been nice doing this, connecting with some people I either look up to or I watch from afar, people who are doing big things. Uh, We've been having some really good conversations, uh, and this episode is just like that with my next guest. He is a Seattle local, and I'm going to call this part one of a two-part podcast because he said he will come back. We we jumped all over the place. It was awesome. Um, We hit it off on this this podcast. Uh, It's lefty, the Detroit Tigers ace, absolute star, one of the toughest lefties in the game. His name is Matt Boyd. He grew up, he was born in Mercer Island, grew up in Seattle, and uh, yeah, again, we, we were all over the place. He had to go. We're spending way too much time and, and we're going to get back at it uh, next week. Now, I started this podcast and called it The Top Step because some of my favorite memories as a major league player were standing on the top step of the dugout with teammates hearing their story and being inspired by their journey. And for Matt, like I said, growing up in Seattle, he was a huge Mariners fan. By the way, his dog's name's Griffey, so there you go. But he's a huge Mariners fan. He, he used to catch a bus from Mercer Island with his buddies over to the game, get the cheap seats. This is mid-2000s. He actually told me a story. I asked him, I said, hey, have we met before? I feel like we've met somewhere. And he said, oh, well, we have. You probably don't remember, but I was playing at that time. He was a teenager. Now, I'm showing my age here. I'm not sure. I think he's in his late 20s now. I'm not 100% sure. I've got to check that out. But he said, yeah, he said, you spoke to us, me and my buddies, and and I was doing it like a Q&A or something. Made me feel pretty good about myself. It, it, uh, it got my confidence through the roof for this week. But um, yeah, he, he grew up in Seattle, and he said since he was a teenager, he goes, I'm going to play in the big leagues. He got a couple of funny looks. But we talk about that. We talk about uh, the progression he's made, the mental side of things. Uh, it, it, it was it was pretty pretty amazing some of the things he said and, and we're, to get to where he's at right now being one of the toughest pitchers in the game uh, from the left side. We also talked about it wasn't a roast session, but I wanted to talk to him about a game he pitched against the Mariners when he did give it up. Uh, how he bounces back. What, what what does he think about all these little things that I find so fascinating uh, from these guys. So yeah, from all my guests. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes, these conversations, these journeys from all my guests, please click that subscribe button and tell your friends. If you've got a minute too, I know it's a hassle, but give that five-star review, whether it's an Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is, uh, give that five-star review. Give, give me a nice little review. I think, I guess, apparently someone told me that helps out the your podcast. Um, and also to go to www.thetopstep.com. Um, I'm going to have something up there too. I know I've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, but something really cool I worked very hard on, uh, spent a lot of time on that's coming up from the Grant Balfour episode, something I want to continue on. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just kind of waiting for a good time to release this. We're all going through some, some tough times, especially here in Seattle. You know, we have, um, so, you know, obviously the protest going on, we're, we're isolated, a lot of things going on. So I kind of want to wait till everything sort of simmers down before I start yeah, cracking jokes. But uh, yeah, let me review. If you've got any questions or any any requests of people you want me to talk to, I'm happy to take them. Shoot me an email. If you go to uh, thetopstep.com, you can, you can go there. You can reach out to me. Uh, give me some feedback. And uh, another thing I'd like to do as well, if you've got any questions or, or things you want to discuss over over an email, send it to me and I'll play it right here before we, we, we get into the next guest. Um, before the show starts, I'm happy to answer some questions. Uh, all right, guys, I'll get right to it. Uh, enjoy this episode as Matt Boyd joins me on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be... A story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the inning is over. But what an inning it was as six. You'll never say that I'm not. Okay, Matt. I- First of all, dude, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I know we've been postponed a couple times. 
you, you last week you got you guys went on vacation or something what happened last week you stood me up i was sitting here on zoom and there was no matt boy what happened <laughs> last week so it was crazy our dog our dog uh our our little french bulldog our beloved her, her name's griffy um but you know she uh she she fractured a disc in her back oh. um so it was kind of crazy so uh she had surgery surgery went well and we're uh we've been we've been we got her back yesterday but we had to take her back because she had a, a little a little complication so it's it's been crazy in our household you know with uh you know two little ones and another little one at the vet hospital so uh but uh it's i'm sorry it's been just crazy. <laughs> the power went out and then, uh -huh. gonna, and then we got hit by the hurricane or the remnants of it we had no power for a day and a half i'm sitting there i had to take my daughter you talked about having the kids i took my daughter down to green lake dentistry the kids dentist and like you know it's one of these things you have to she's five so you know second time at the dentist and she loves going but it's going to get to that point where they're going to start prodding around she's like i hate this so we're trying to we're trying to go about it you know very delicately this is like an hour before you text me and so yeah. i'm getting all fired up about talking to you and i'm sitting there like, okay lock in laser focus on the, on the dentist <laughs> and i get this text message saying, oh there's a blackout i'm like is this are we cracking jokes here 2020 is nuts so i saw what happened so you guys had a blackout or something well, yeah yeah so uh, we live in a neighborhood out here in detroit that's that's like you know, I mean, compared to back home in Seattle, you know, Michigan's been out around for a long time. So our neighborhood, there's a lot of houses here that are built early 1900s, you right. know, so small lots, a lot like some parts of downtown Seattle and, uh, you know, old, old electricity kind of grid too. So um, we had a, when it gets too hot, sometimes um, the power shuts off for a random hour and then gotcha. it comes back, but because it overloads because all the AC units and stuff, but then, <laughs> But then we had a the the hurricane came up the remnants of it and we had like some spots had sixty mile per hour winds and the tree fell down knocked out our power one morning then we didn't get it till the night and then we got ahead we had it for three hours and then another tree fell down on it and then we had it for, didn't have it for the next day when you were here so what I was gonna or uh, get on the phone with you so yeah but we're yeah. back. Yeah, but I appreciate the effort. You're like, hey, you know, just stand by. We may be able to get electricity. And I was thinking to myself, like, I was thinking, you know, selfishly, I was like, oh, you know, hopefully it comes back so we can, so we can lock it in. And yeah. the, other, the other side of me, I'm like, man, imagine if we're doing this and boom, the, the lights go out or something, you know. And you look back at this from a couple of years ago, oh, well, that was 2020. So that's that's just allowed. That's that's what happens exactly. in 2020. Yeah, Crazy. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're in Detroit right now dealing with you, just a small group of you guys working out there? You and the, yeah. some other Tigers players. Yeah, there's there's a handful of us here at the park. We're uh, we're just going down to Comerica. Where it's about our third week down here. Um, you know, kind of came back. When, you know, I'm I'm from Seattle. I grew up on Mercer Island. We have a home out in Sammamish. That's where you know we we spend a lot of our time. You know, I mean the baseball life. It's kind of fifty fifty. But uh, um, but yeah, it, it got came down to it that we were uh, at the end of spring training. It was like okay, baseball shut down stadiums are closed and you know seattle right when we got canceled seattle was already kind of in the thick of it yeah. so it was i mean michigan wasn't far behind but it was i called everybody back home i, I trained at athletic training institute in bellevue and uh they're like yeah we're closed and we can't open and uh you know reached out to like my high school and all that and they're like yeah like you know everyone was just no one wanted to open it up and i completely understood and out here there were some opportunities for me to train out here still because the restrictions at the time weren't as steep so we just kind of moved into our place out here and uh it's just been the four four or five of us you know four two kids my wife and our dog and i right. so it's been it's been fun so you couldn't go back to seattle and jump the fancy old high school and get throw against the wall because that, that's what the high school kids are doing here that's what they're all doing here they're all like amped up about you know because they're trying to like you know kick off some sort of baseball in a couple of weeks and like yeah. oh, i'm working out this high school my like, house and they're like oh they're just jumping the fence i'm like oh okay I know I got I got kicked out of a park here. I uh, <laughs> I came over and he kicked. He, he we were thrown there. We threw there for thirty days. In the first thirty days, and he said, "Hey, you you can't be here." And he didn't really know the laws, but he was like a you know he was like a. Yeah. I was like, "All right, well you're lost, but okay." So we found a new park. Right. So, yeah. You have to tread lightly. Who are you playing catch with? Um. So we got a few guys. Luckily, our bullpen catchers are both out here. So. Okay. I got to take care of them when the end of the season rolls around because they've been <laughs> they they wouldn't be working if I wasn't here and uh, I've been putting them to work. But uh, and then uh, we got uh, Eric Haas, who's a uh, a catcher who's from Detroit, and then uh, John Schreiber, who's a uh, submariner from uh, Detroit too. Gotcha. So yeah, so we've been just getting after it here. Yeah, because you said you're in Detroit, and obviously I know you're from Seattle, and I, I 
I assume you spend your off seasons back here in Seattle, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what's like, oh, okay. The Tigers, are they all getting, are they all corralling all their players and taking them up? Because, you know, usually it's like the, the spring training facility down at Lakeland or whatever. Yeah. I was like, oh, are they doing like a whole thing secretly? I'm like, should I ask? Or? <laughs> no, I, it'd, be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. And we kind of pushed for it, but when everything just kind of hit the fan as it did and, and how fast restrictions started coming in, people yeah. were, you know, we don't, and it's good people went home and instead of kind of, you know, trying to be together. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so again, it's pretty obvious you grew up in Seattle. And the reason I'm saying it's obvious from my point of view, because every time the, you, you know, obviously with the Tigers pitching against the Mariners, it's like the pre and post game show, which I do. It's the Mac Boyd show. You know what I mean? And I, I tread lightly too, because, and not saying I'm going to throw you under the bus. I mean, you obviously the last couple of years you were dominating, but I'm like, oh, his family. Every time I'm we're about to talk about you, I'm like, his family's probably watching our feed. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, I need to say the right things here. I can't be like, oh, they're going to destroy him today. But you grew up in Seattle. Were you a big Mariners fan? Yeah, big Mariners fan. You know, I um, I sorry about that ping. Um, I you know I uh, <laughs> I uh. Yeah, um, I wish I could figure out how to turn off the messages on here. Um, but yeah, no, big Mariners fan. Grew up going to the Kingdom, um, you know, watching Griffey, watching A Rod, and uh, you know, just uh, yeah. just having a great time with that. You know, Edgar, Randy Johnson. I mean, the two guys that I I loved. The three, the three was it was Edgar, you know, Randy and Griffey, and uh, you know, I loved I loved Griffey and Randy because they were lefties, right? And yeah. I mean, you love Edgar, right? Edgar just outlasted everybody there. Could you hit back in the day? Yeah, I hit in college, and <laughs> I'm a 286 hitter in the show right now. So I got Probably a few. Yeah, yeah. How many at bats you have you got? I've uh, I think I've got. If I could do the math, I got two hits. Uh, I, I was I was a comm major, so I think. Uh, Probably Come on, dude! You, you know, you, you, you've got it in the back of your mind. You're like, yeah, I've got uh, my exit velo on this one. Was this that? <laughs> I crushed the ball this year. You know, we work out. I work out with a um, handful of buddies from Oregon State. They're still playing pro ball at Conforto and Davis and uh, Seegers in our group here at the place we train in Bellevue and uh, Travis Snyder. And I just, I always let them know. I was like, hey, you know, I hit, I, I hit three thirty three last year in the show, and I had an ex average exit velo over a hundred. So. Put one yeah. ball to play, but you know that does you can do that side out of it. But yeah, you you um you enjoyed taking batting practice. Doesn't mess up your back or any of that or put the throw out. No, I hit I hit in the off season a lot. My dad coaches summer ball in Seattle. He coaches a Mudville Youth Baseball Club, and okay. uh, so I go out to their practices and take some swings. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't throw for a few months, right? And then it's like, oh. Yeah. I'll get, I'm not going to go to the cage and start letting it rip with the kids. So it's like, I'll just, I'll swing. And, uh, you know, it's fun. It's, it's like when I hit in college, it was awesome. And I, I got in my own head. Um, I, I, I always thought I could have had the talent to hit, but I, I was, I wasn't right up here. You know, I was, I, I would, t I didn't know who I was as a hitter, which is consequently the same kind of concept as made me a better pitcher, but I didn't know who I was as a hitter. So every time I struggled and I took info from somebody because I always was looking for information. I just, my, 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 my game would be like that. So I hit, I was a freshman all American my first year. And then I sit my second year, just, that was my sophomore year. That was it. So, uh, um, I didn't hit well. Um, so, you know, after getting out of my own head and just picking up a bat now with nobody talking to me, it's right. like, ah, it's careless now. And I'm sitting there going, man, this is funny. Why did, well, you know, God's timing's divine, but man, if I would have had this mentality at college, who knows what would have happened. Do you feel like it's the same way, yeah, you know, pitching at a high level, even in the big leagues, when you talk about taking in too much information? Yeah, because oh, yeah. there was a there was a period there where yeah, you were sort of up and down on that shuttle bus from AAA back to the big leagues. You know, yeah. part of a trade from the Blue Jays to the Tigers, a big trade too, right? So was it one of these things that you come across new coaches or new people, and and they're trying to not put their stamp on you, but they're trying to like help you, hearts yeah. in the right place, but it's just too much information. Yeah, you know, when I got to the big leagues, I, I was I was good at um, the coaching side of things because you play for so many coaches in the minor leagues that, you know, you'd never make it to the big leagues if you just took everything what every coach told you, right? Because, yeah. you know, the, you, you, I mean, there were seasons where I had four different minor league coaches. But uh, that being said, like, it was the biggest impact was getting to the big leagues and then going up to someone like, you know, um, Justin Verlander was a huge influence on me. I, I, got, I got there. And 
at first when I got there, it's like, okay, this is Justin Verlander. I need to do everything Justin Verlander does down to how he acts. And what works for Justin Verlander doesn't work for everybody. That's what makes Justin Verlander unique, right? That's what makes Nolan Ryan unique. That's what makes David Price unique. Everyone is, now they have all, they, they might have the same affirmations in the game, but then their own game blossoms from it, right? So I would go into that and I'd sit there and I'd go, man, that's Verlander. Oh, that's Jordan Zimmerman. Oh, that's Anibal Sanchez. Oh, that's, you know, Alfredo Simon, like whoever the guys that were, Randy Wolf. Yeah. I would try to be like them. And then I was like, I remember it happened, um, Ian Kinsler, 2017, came, so I was debuted in 15, 16, I had a, you know, I mean, a good year, it's like, it was, the consistency in my game, though, wasn't there until, like, the end of 16, it started really clicking, and then 17, it was back to it a little bit, and then at the end of 17 is when things really, I started understanding who I was, what I expected myself, mm-hmm. didn't guarantee success, but I knew what I went out there trying to do every single day, and, like, I'm going to attack, and nothing more than that you know, put me on the moon, Toledo, Detroit, or anywhere in between, yeah. but I'm going to attack. Right. So in that, I, uh, I, I started understanding. I remember Ian Kinsler came up to me, um, and this is one of the most, I mean, you know, I had a great pitching coach in Rich Doobie and, and, you know, a lot of other guys that have poured into me, you know, currently like Rick Anderson and, you know, Basio, Pico, all these guys that, 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 um, that have a, a very wealth of baseball knowledge and they poured into my career. But the thing was, uh, I remember Ian Kinsler came up to me and this was one of the monumental points. We were playing the Indians, uh, 17. They were on that 24 game win streak when they set the record. And, uh, I remember I was, I, if anybody that knows me out there, I'm a guy that's like very loose, like when it comes to game time, like, you know, or like, you know, if we're going to draw back and forth, I'll, I'll be getting in your, I'll, I'll be smiling and I'll be right. doing stuff like that, like saying, oh, okay, well, you think you're better than me? Okay, let's do this thing then, you know? But like, but um, the, the times where, you know, I have that stoic, like uh, game face, like that's, that's not me. When that comes out of me, I'll, I'll take it up and play there, but that's not something that's forced, right? Yeah. And I was trying to force that in the big leagues. And uh, I remember Kinsler said to me, it was a day game. It was like, a, like, you know, 1230. I'm like getting ready to walk out. And he goes like, he says, hi. And I, Sue something he goes what are you trying to be right now and I was like and this is this is 30 minutes before you're about to pitch in the big leagues and I was like who are you trying to be because he knew me he saw me off the field at least I think he did I mean he might he might have said this and would have just been cutting a joke with me or something right like you know I had my hat on correctly or something but like he uh but it kind of made me think and I was like he's like he told me goes just be you right and then I was like, dang. And then, like, you know, for the next 10 minutes after that, it kind of just sank in. And I was like – and, I, I mean, that, I have a five-and-a-half ERA in, in, you know, August is what it is. And it's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to go – you know, I, I'm just going to go be me. And I ended up throwing, I think, five or six shutout against Cleveland. And then my next start, I had to Cleveland again. I did the same thing. And then I threw a one-hitter. I took a no-hitter out too. And it was like – it was the coupling of, like, the mental side and the physical side, like, kind of coming together. And it was right. like, I know what I expect of myself. And, um, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, that's, you know, that was the thing where it's like, I'm always in a state of learning. I don't know yeah. anything. The one thing I know right now is that I know nothing at all. And every day is more affirmation of that, but that's the blessing in it. It's like, man, this is cool. I have something new to learn every day in that. And yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, Ian Kinsley, he's been around the game for a long time. And I mean, is he viewing you as like still in that rookie phase, still um, trying to, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah it, it's I mean it's amazing because I got caught up in that too it was one of these things when I started to, to scuffle this is like even you know further on when I after I had a little bit of success in the big leagues um I started to scuffle a bit and it was hey you, you're not focusing enough you're not you know like I had to sit in the locker with my headphones on and I remember back in and I'm trying my age here a little bit but 2004 I went to the Olympics we had a guy a mental skills coach Phil Jaunty. And back then, I was always like, the whole mental skills coach, unless you've pitched in the big leagues, don't tell me what it's like to pitch in the big leagues. You know what I mean? Like, I'd listen to guys who didn't have the education, but they'd been there, so there's just little things you could take. But he said one thing to me. He said, he said to the whole group, he said, you know, find your flags. What, what do you do when you're comfortable and when you're confident and everything else? For me, I'm like, I don't know if I've got ADD or something. I've got no idea, but I'm like what he calls it, mosquitoes. So buzzing around and talking, this, that, and the other. And so the whole thing is like, you know, get in the zone, get laser focus, put your headphones on, listen to your music. It just didn't work for me at all. And it's yeah. funny because it sounds like with you, it sounds like you had to have your game face on or whatever it is. And then Ian Kinsler rolls up and says, dude, who are you trying to be? Because he knows you well enough 
yeah. where you can go, okay, what am I doing when I'm comfortable? And you could, and you were obviously had the intuition to identify what little things physically you do when you're comfortable, right? Yeah. Oh, that's exactly it. And it's like, it's that thing where it's like you go in and, and um, you know, when your first few years in the big leagues, and it, it still happens to this day, like I'm not immune to it. It'll happen hopefully when the season starts next week or whenever it is, like it'll happen again and it'll be having the awareness now. But it's like you sit there in your bullpen, you go, man, I am filthy and I can dot a gnat on its ass right now. Right. I can throw anything I want to in any count. Yeah. But then I get in the game and I know exactly how that feels and it's different. And for me, it was like, well, how come down here in the bullpen when I'm just by myself with the coach, I can just be myself and be filthy mm. down here and, you know, be kicking up dirt and acting like I'm Cy Young. And then when I get on the mound, I get out there and it's like part of my language, like my sphincter tightens up and then yeah. my mechanics are completely different. And that yeah. was like, for me, it was like, like I remember pacing the Yankees. I threw a, I was filthy in the bullpen in 17, the one start. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch a videotape of it. I threw a change up to Gary Sanchez and it, I think it hit the scoreboard at Comerica Park. Like no joke. It almost <laughs> hit the scoreboard. It was a letter high change up that he just tally whacked. And, um, and that's nothing to do with my story. I just got crushed that game. Yeah. But I remember throwing to Brett Gardner in the first inning and I threw, I was, man, I could throw the fastball anymore. And then I get Brett Gardner and it's like, I squeeze the ball a little tighter and all of a sudden, like my velo starts to drop up there because yeah. it's not, I'm tense. And like my, 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 I remember my stride foot warm ups, it's right here. And I remember looking down on that clean mound and it's like six inches over to the right. I said, what right. the heck is going on? And it's like, this, my mechanics, I wasn't thinking anything different, but this was just speeding me up. And yeah. I wasn't able not to, I hate to get things slow the game down because no, the game's fast. You're not going to yeah. slow it down, but it's having awareness of what you're thinking and what you're doing in the game. And it's like, in all this, knowing that it's not going to guarantee success, I go out there and give up 10 runs doing this. But I know it's going to give me the – if I, I'm going to be present and know where God's grace is perfected just right here in this moment. Right. It's like nothing more than that. And it's like couple – so like that experience in the bullpen is like, okay, well now how can I put myself in that game situation down here? So yeah. when my heart does get sped up, how can I feel that? And how can I be aware of that feeling? Because it's like, oh, here we go again. Oh, that's that feeling. Okay. Well, what do I expect? This is a storm. Like you said, the mosquitoes. For me, I like I, me and my guy that I, I um, Don Carmen, who I work with, you know, who's one of the most influential people in my life. Um, he actually pitched in the big leagues too, kind of funny. Like, you know, so he has that double side. He, he studied under Harvey Dorfman and it was like, he calls them storms. And it's like, storms are coming. You don't wish them not to come. For you wishing not a storm not to come, well, guess what? That's a storm in itself. Right. But like the storms are on the horizon. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to, go hide on, in, the, in the bottom of the deck are you going to take the helm in it and actually turn into it and say you know what and I get like goosebumps thinking about this you know but it's yeah. like I'm not afraid of what's coming because I know what I expect of myself the storms are going to come and that's okay because it doesn't change what I do and that was kind of the thing that how understanding that and having self-awareness in that has yeah. really you know it just that's the same as like doing this interview, you know, or being down with my son and changing his diaper. Like I know what I expect of myself. I know what I'm going to do. A lot could happen in the process of it, but what am I calling myself to, to be just present there? I'm an honored guest in his, you know, presence when I'm cleaning that diaper or yeah, I'm, an, gotcha. when I'm out on the mound. I know what I'm called to is attack the one pitch at a time. Not the last pitch can't do anything about it. I don't know what's going to happen on the next pitch, but I know what I'm going to do right now. And that, that, you know, you, you just, you just nailed something and you talked about being present. And that's one thing I battled with, whether it was, it was, um, you know, two days before a start thinking about what is going to happen in two days. It's instead of just saying, all right, it's two days before a start, just enjoy today. Even though I'm not pitching, but I'm going to the ballpark. I've got this to do and just enjoy being in that moment. And then when the game goes on, um, you know, like anchoring, anchoring on, yeah, you, know, you give up that bomb, right? And it's all of a sudden you're anchored on that pitch that you threw at four or five pitches. You don't even know what's happening in the next four pitches because you're so frustrated because you've anchored uh-huh. on something in the past. So yeah. It's amazing, man. But it's, it's, it's exhausting though too when... Oh, it is. It's, it's exhausting. People just think, oh yeah, just think like that and, and, and you're good. But it's, yeah. it takes a lot of work, right? Yeah, it's a balancing act. That's what, that's what I always tell people. It's like, it's like walking a tightrope with one of those big long balancing sticks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... I know what I want to do. That's on that type of, I'm going to fall here a lot yeah. and I'm going to overcorrect yeah. and be here a lot, but it's understanding that it's not, it's giving myself grace that when that happens, it's not like, Oh, get back. It's yeah. just, okay, well I'm over here. Let's get back here. And I'm going to be over here sometimes. And 
but I'm going to get close to here. If I get here, that's great. If I don't, I'm just going to roll with it and just be aware of where I'm at and know what I expect of myself. And it's like, cause it's like, it's going to happen, you know, yeah. like there's going to be a time this year where I'm going to make a filthy, I know what I'm going to throw. And you know, there might be a time this year that it's like, well, I, I know what I'm going to throw. And then I, I don't throw it and I throw something else and it gets hit for a double or a homer. And I'm, yeah. and I, I'm going to sit there and go, I'm going to respond like angry. And then it's like, yeah. oh, no, like why that? Did I do what I wanted? No, it's okay. That happens. Now let's come back to understand what I expect of myself and move forward. Okay, speaking of that, and I want to bring up because um, I've been I went through your game logs and just looked at some of the games. And, and I, again, this is a Mariners game. You're pitching against the Mariners in Detroit last year. Um, there was, and you would deal last last year's absurd. Every time I went Steve, through, like, Steve lets me know about that game. All <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to get to that in a second because I want to tell exactly what we're talking about uh, right here. And this is what I, I love to, to, to dive into. Here's yeah. a guy dominating 2019, coming off a strong 2018 and really establishing yourself as being like one of the nastiest breaking balls from the left side. When you look at like, you know, if you, I don't know if you dive into this, but your name in the top five when it comes to like pitch metrics on your breaking balls, always been Matt Boyd, right? Mm-hmm. Matthew Boyd, excuse me. But, you know, with, with the breaking ball and everything else. So I, I love looking at that stuff. And here you are pitching against the team. You know, the Mariners, were, they were struggling last year, uh, but you had established Kyle Seager, a couple of guys you don't know so much. Um, but there's a couple lefties stacked in there. You're coming off, you know, Obviously, strong 2019, pitching against the Mariners. I think you just pitched against them. Yeah, like uh, two starts before. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it was uh, – you dominated, right? I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm yeah. correct. I think I, yeah. think I pushed – I went like seven innings, one yeah. run, and get, went, went 14. Yeah, struck right. out 14. It was, it was really good. I remember that because, I mean, it's, it's in Seattle. Like, nothing yeah. gets – like, you go home, right? And it's just pitching at home, right? But, so, yeah. By the way, speaking of that, just going back to that, and I don't mean to, to get, get off track yeah. here because I've got it written right here and, and with exclamation points. Yeah. So I want to talk about that game and your mindset and everything else. But when you pitch in Seattle, first of all, I will go to the stadium that day if I'm, you know, we're playing the Tigers, you're pitching, and like, you know, the, the usher or the, or the guy at the parking tent is like, oh, you, yeah, Matt Boyd's pitching today. It's like, is this guy like the mayor of Seattle? Someone has some connection or tie to you where it's like, I know his grandparents. I know his cousin or something. I'm like, man, this guy's a, this guy's like, you know, runs this place. And oh. again, there's that extra little bit of emphasis, even from our side. Okay, Matt's pitching, so he's a local guy. Obviously, in Seattle, they love their local guys doing their thing. So you have to, you know, sort of make it the Matt Boyd show. We talked about that earlier. For you though, is it? Is there more pressure? Is it bigger emphasis pitching in T-Mobile? You grew up a Mariners fan, plus you got family there. Is there any extra little thing that goes into that start? I mean, just the ticker requests. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> you play for free when you go back home. That's pretty much what it is. You're paid for yeah. it. You're playing for free. But, uh, right. I mean, honestly, no. It's But it goes back to that balancing act, right? It's like you can let it bother you. You can let it be a thing. Um, it is a thing, and you acknowledge it. Like, okay, well, I've, you know – I've got a hundred family members coming to this game and I don't even know how many high school and college friends and what kindergartner teacher, you know, read the times today and said, Oh, you know, I'm going to come to the game, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. the grocer from the QFC yeah. down there from Albertsons. Right. Dude, that's, like, that's how it is though. It's like yeah. the day you it's okay. Right. But like, it's like, you know, it's understanding, right. Is it going to be a thing or is it not going to be a thing? Right. right? And it's like, that's up to you. And it, there's times where it does. Like I remember, uh, I remember warming up and, um getting you know just you're being in the pen down there and the fans are right on you and it's like just a Matt Boyd reunion like it's every walk of life like oh there's somebody from Oregon State there's someone from Eastside Catholic oh there's someone from Mercer Island oh there's someone you know from like there's a Detroit fan that somehow made the trip from Detroit you know what it's like oh there's my grandma there's my cousin you know and it's like this is it's everybody you know and it's like are you seeing people at the at the game who you're like, oh hey, how you doing? Oh hey, I tried to reach out to you. You didn't leave me a ticket because you've already left a hundred of them. And by the way, you know if you're watching this and you're wondering what we're talking about with the tickets, just so people know, you basically have to pay for those tickets or you pay for the tax. That's still the thing, right? Yeah, you pay for the tax. So whatever the ticket price you pay that day, you yeah, you take the ta- you pay for the tax and then it comes out of your paycheck. And then at the at the, at the end of the month, you go, oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, we had just just on that. We're jumping all over the place here, but, but it's it's fine. Uh, do you remember Shinsu Chu? Uh, not Shin, no, sorry, not Shinsu Chu. Yeah. He was a he was a culprit of this. But Chao Sung Beck. I don't know if you remember him. Korean pitcher. I, I remember the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. 
Well, he had no idea. We had the meeting. It was the first year they ever did this. Uh, I think it was like 07 or whatever. We're in spring training and they come in and they say, oh, look, you know, the, I, I, they were tightening up, you know, trying to make sure they, they make money off the tickets and stuff like that. And the IRS are jumping in, have to pay for the tax on the, on the sale of the ticket. Yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no comp tickets anymore. And yeah. Chastain back had no idea. He didn't, he didn't have his translator. He just sat in the meeting like, I don't care about this. I don't even know what this is. You know, a second language, whatever. First month of the season, he gets called up, and all of the whole Korean population, he knows everyone, and they're all, he's going, he's leaving like 200 tickets. And then at the end of the month, he gets his check, and he's like, hey, there's a mistake here. My, my check is like, I don't have any, any money in this check. And so he's, he's, um, Jay Lee was his translator, contacts some of the Mariners, and they explained to him, hey, and he, apparently you just hear this Korean onslaught of just cussing out in the background. Jiaosung's like, what the? Anyway, so a little side story. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know if I threw you off, off, off your story here, but we're just oh. talking about, about, about pitching in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, but I love it. It's, it's a dream yeah. come true. Like every time, I mean, first time I pitched was in 16. Um, uh, and I wasn't, it was a four game set and I wasn't scheduled to pitch. Um, I was like pitching in the, we had an off day and then we went to Texas. Um, so uh, it's like, it's like a, it's, it's a four game set. So it's probably on the weekend, you know? And um, it's like, I think it's uh, Saturday night. And actually that's right when things started to click on that 17 in 2016. Cause I actually changed my arm slot. I went from high up and I dropped down and I threw, I threw like back to back bullpens that, that day, that day before and that one saying like, cause I, our pitching coach was like, Hey, you're, you're having success, but it's kind of like this. Let's drop you down. I think it's going to make your breaking balls change up everything better. So then we do it. And it's like, I'm in the bullpen. And I'm just like throwing everything where I want to. It's first time, like, you know, in the big leagues, I'm doing that. Like, this is awesome. So it's like, cool. I got an extra day, you know, I do it again the next day. And then I got an extra day off. So an extra day before my next start. Who was a pitching coach at this point? Rich Doobie. Okay. And, um, and, you is, know, is he, he a big tinkerer? Is he a guy that likes to, to make changes and, and – um, Yes and no. You know, Doobs, Doobs will say, like, you know, I was so blessed. I got the – he was the Phillies pitching coach. He's like, I had Holiday, Lee, and Hamels. Like, right. I get all the credit for them. But, like, they taught me more than I – you know, like, he, he, he was – so he goes, he had this plethora of knowledge, but he had guys that, like, didn't really need to, you know, work with, right? Like, these guys were established dudes. Yeah. And um, um, so, like, Doobs is talking to me and he goes, hey – when you're in the stretch and you try to be quick to the plate, your arm drops here, your velo goes up, your stuff has way more life. You're actually striking guys out. And it's by accident. Like he goes, I just, let's try to repeat that. He's like, let's just think about it. This isn't coming from like a pitch metrics. Look at the iPad on a rap. So no, this is no. more of what he saw and more of an yeah, actual feel. 2016. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, I know that's only like four years ago, but still like, you know, yeah. the stat cast and all that stuff is still very raw. It's yeah. still kind of present, but not at the forefront. So um so we go into this we throw a bullpen it's awesome um we're in the 14th inning uh brad osmus comes down i'm just sitting there you know it's like 12 30 at night you know it's like a it's like a, a night game and so the only people in the crowd everyone shows up to the games in seattle when i was but i wasn't even pitching and uh only people there are like my aunt and uncle my wife um my sister my mom and dad and grandma everybody else left and then it's like they see me jog down to the bullpen brad goes hey you need to go get warm and if we go to the next inning you're in so it's like 1230, you know, I threw a bullpen at two and I'm just like, you know, my second bullpen today. And I'm like, I look kind of my pitching coach before I drops down. And he goes, Hey, or like he calls me, he calls down to the pen. And he goes, as I'm warming up, he goes, tell Matty just to let it rip with what he's got and keep doing what he works on. And I'm like, okay, like sweet. And, and in other, other words, keep this arm slot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I come in. I'm throwing 95 to 97 and it's like <laughs> adrenaline, but like my average fastball that was 91, you know, tops. Like right. I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop you right there. I, I had Paxson on this a couple of weeks, James Paxson on this a couple yeah. weeks ago. He talked to, and we talked extensively about his arm slot. Went from way up here, <laughs> throwing 91, yeah. 93 to here, throwing a hundred. And yeah. I'm just mad. I'm like, you know, it, it, when I tried to move my arm slot, it's the ball flattened out. I was throwing like 82. So I don't want to hear this. We're, we're ending this right now. Anyway, no, go ahead. Must be nice. So you throw 96. Oh, oh, that must be nice. Yeah. yeah so get, I, like, get going. I come in, right? I, I think I forget who I've, I've faced like Heredia. Um, I think I faced like uh, Nori Aoki. I, I, I walk him. I walk the one lefty I face. And uh, I face somebody else. Um, can't remember who it was, but I was just amped up. And then uh, 
you know, dragging him from the bullpen, you just get a new amp. And it's in the 14th inning. I mean, no yeah. one's left in the ballpark, but I was electric. In my mind, I'm electric. And yeah. I picked up Aoki, and I came in, and our pitching coach was like, well, that that's something we're going to stick with. You know, <laughs> one more bullpen before your game in Texas. And the game in Texas, I went seven shutout against a team that ended up winning the AL West for me. And it was like a big – it was the first time that I went um, – after just being so inconsistent, it was the first time going like that big of a shutout game since my Tiger debut in 15. So it was like over a year later. Yeah. And it was like, man, this is, you know how it is. Like you put so much weight in every outing, which is completely wrong, but it's yeah. like, man, I, I have success. And that's from that came confidence, which is why the next year I struggled because I found my confidence in my game, which doesn't match. Right. Right? Yeah. So like, but that was a big thing for me. So like, so that was my first outing in Seattle. So I really went on a tangent there, but like, you know, then the next two – I didn't pitch the next year because I got sent down. That was when I broke with the team, got sent down, and came back up, and we were past our West Coast swing. And then I started there in uh, 18 and then 19, and it was like, you know, every time I get there, I just get chills, and <clears throat> it's emotional. I mean, I think about the days when I would – you know, my dad would take me. Like, I was at the second game at Safeco Field. You know, uh, I remember my dad got me a ticket. It was just a huge deal. I got a picture uh, – of like it's still in my room in my in my house back home and it's it's me and my dad with Griffey in the background it says it was like one of those picture frame ones and it says inaugural yeah. inaugural series and uh you know Mariners versus Diamondbacks and it's like that was so much fun like to me that was like yeah I loved it you know and I'd hop on the metro and you know um <laughs> get on the metro bus and you know it'd be like a buck 25 to get from south end of Mercer Island downtown and like me and my buddies, uh, Cam and Dave, like we would, we would, uh, we'd buy center field bleacher seats and then, um, and then uh, <laughs> sneak down to left field and linger over the bullpen. And then like, you know, it's like four bucks for center field on a weekday. And then yeah. we'd go down to the left field seats in the summer, like, cause no one was in the seats most of those 2000 years, like nothing against you, but it's like, you know, <laughs> like that's like, well, and we, but we'd watch all those guys and it'd just be like, we'd just hang out at the park and then yeah. go home. And that's how like, if we had a summer game, we play our summer game. And then if it was, you know, and it was awesome. going down with my dad, going down with them. And it's just so many fun memories. And it's like, and you get all those back when you go to pitch in that park. It's like, man, I remember when we'd freaking, we'd scrum up as much money as we could to get garlic fries out in left field. And we'd, we'd share them. And that was our dinner, you know, or we'd get a hot right. dog yeah. out front for, for less than a buck and stuff it in our pocket. And then it'd be the steamy hot dog that we'd eat in the park, you know, smuggle it in. Yeah, exactly. Because before we got on and I asked you, I said, Hey, have we met like, you know, officially, right? And you and you told a story. So where did we meet? And I feel weird bringing this up, but uh, speaking of famous Seattle Mariners, you're talking about Griffey earlier now. Let's yeah. <laughs> there was there was like there was you know how you guys did and I like what we do it here in Detroit. So it'd be like Saturday, a Saturday day game or maybe a Sunday day game and you'd have like they'd be like autograph Saturdays or a Q and A yeah. and like if you showed there was no BP because it was a day game, but like Rick Riz or, you know, Dave Sims or, you know, Niehaus back in the day, like they would be there on top of the dugout yeah. interviewing like one or two players. And then you'd sign autographs for the kids after. Um, I think I was like, a, I was a middle school or high school. I go down there and <laughs> I, I, I got your autograph down there. And I was like, I mean, pitchers, like especially Bova guys, like I'd show up for BP. I'd always want to be there for the yeah. end of marriage with BP if I could. And I'd, you know, I was a rat. I'd try to go get a ball or something and probably take it from a kid who really wanted it more than me or needed it, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, but I'd always try to get an autograph and you guys were always out, like all the bullpen guys and. One know, sec, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. All good. Yeah. yeah so keep going. Yeah. It's like you, you guys always. No, sorry. sorry. I, got, that, I got the meet that, you right there, you know? Yeah. Like, that, that was, that was the, um, that was the uh, president of the United States. I just put that aside because this is more, by the way, you, 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 my confidence is going through the roof right now. I've got Matt Boyd saying, Oh yeah. You know, talking about, yeah. So, so keep, so keep going. We're going to yeah, talk yeah. about this for another 40 yeah, minutes. But yeah, I mean, that was, it was cool. Cause I got to meet a big leaguer, you know, right. and I was in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be a big leaguer someday. I mean, anybody else and a coach, you know, out there would have said absolutely not, but you know, it was cool. I got to, so you said, and you had that thought in your head as a teenage kid, I'm going to be in the big leagues one day. Yeah. And you truly believed it. 
because I work with kids back in Australia all the time. I always say that I somehow, I don't know how I did growing up in Australia, but I, it's like, I don't know, because maybe I was oblivious. And I, I'm like, oh, American kids, it must be way harder for them because they're surrounded by really good players and they see the big leagues in front of them. I didn't see it in front of me. So I was like, oh, I'm going to play in the big leagues one day. I was clueless, right? But did you have that as a teenage kid? You had that where you said, I'm going to play in the big leagues one day and, and regardless of what anyone said? I mean, I just, I just knew it. Like even, I, mean, I remember in the backyard, I told my dad, I'm going to replace Griffey and I'm going to play center field and be Randy Johnson too. I'm going to do both. And he'd be like, okay, so I'm like, no one does yeah. that. But, you know, like, sure. And I maybe came short of that. But like, you know, like I... You never know. Yeah. Still playing. Game's changing. Um, but uh, I mean, I always believe that, you know, whether it was like, I mean, you can probably ask like, well, I wasn't even the best on my high school team at Eastside Catholic. Like, we had so much talent. We, I mean, you know, it was it was kind of ridiculous how much talent we had on that on our high school team. And um, like, about, I remember, I remember my soft, my freshman year, uh, first day of school, uh, we're at physics, we're in our physics class at Mercer Island High School. I went to Mercer Island my first year, and then I transferred to Eastside. And uh, our teachers asking, and you know, it's your first, our physics teacher asked, it's your first day of high school. What do you uh, what you know let's go around introduce yourself what do you aspire to be when you grow up and you know lawyer doctor you know somebody says oh i want to you know bring world peace or something it's like um i said i'm going to be a professional baseball player and i remember our teacher said oh you need to grow up son you know uh and i remember i just that just and i just remember like thinking like he doesn't know you know and like i remember do you remember his name I'm not going to say it. <laughs> uh, and, and, and he's been so kind to me since then. But, um, but Was he on he, your pass list? When you pitch in Seattle? He wasn't, but I, I would have gladly left him one. You know, right. If I would have sent him one without notice, it probably would have been a little spiteful and I wouldn't have done that. But, uh, but, but you know, I've, I've talked to him since then. He's he's awesome guy. But, you know, like that, that in the moment, that just – and for high school, that just burned in my heart. Like, yeah. yeah. And anytime someone said that, it's like that, that burns you. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, they're wrong. So they're lost. They're wrong. You know? And um, I mean, I remember when a Rocky scout came up to me and I was a six round senior sign my senior year, he came up to me, you know, and you know, you do those little pre-draft meetings when you're at school. You, you, you're talking about out of college, right? Yeah. Oregon state now. Yeah. 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 Like, we went through the thing. He's like, anything else I should know? And I was like, I forget this guy. I don't think he's a scout for the Rockies there anymore. And I said, he's like, I was like, I'm going to be a big leaguer. He kind of smiled. I was like, oh, I mean, like, it's going to happen. All I need is a shot. And, uh, and he's like, oh, okay. And he wrote it down and it, or wrote something down. I'd have been like, this guy's delusional, but I don't know what he, but like, you know, I meant like that just never, yeah. like, it, it never was a question. Like, it was yeah. like, I'm going to find a way. And not just to be a big leader, like to be, to be good. And I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know if all the answers, I'm still learning. I'm not, I'm not some, driven individual i mean i've got a four nine career i think or someone because some people like to let me know that all the time on social media which is probably why i don't want social media as much anymore but like you know i i got a long way to go i don't know anything but i do know that um what i'm called to i know how i'm called to get better every single day um and uh like that's my calling it's i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but i know what i'm going to do today yeah. you know and we had a great day at the stadium today and I tinkered a little bit and you know, mess with my arm slot and, or not mess with my arm, you know, like think of understanding more about what my delivery is. And then, okay, let's make more. Let's, I know what I did today. know what I'm going to do tonight. Now when I get to the yeah. park tomorrow, I know what I'm going to do then. And it's just a constant growth and evolution in that. And it's like, I'm not focusing on that end goal. Yeah. I mean, there's goals. I want to win a world series. I want to bring a championship to Detroit. I want to, you know, um, yeah. I, I want to, you know, but it's like, I'm not looking at that. I'm understanding that, you know, you got to put a, you got to put, you got to, you know, ring that bell every single day and, yeah. and, and, and you know, pay the toll, so to speak, and go, go, go. And then, man, it'll take care of itself. And it's like, that's the kind of the same thing of how it's been. You know, it's, it's, speaking about physics teacher, I said, oh, do you leave in, you know, what's his name? You don't want to say his name and, and everything else. And do you leave in tickets? People like that, I had the same thing. I had a guy who was a baseball coach. He cut me from like a state team. Now, mind you, a state team in Australia is a lot easier to make than a state team or, you know, equivalent to the states, right? 
he said to me, I, my first year of pro ball, after I got back, I was kind of come, I was like, oh, I'm a pro, pro baseball player. I thought I was awesome. I was 18, out of high school, thinking I'm awesome. You know, like I'm an international traveler and I'm a little bit bigger and stronger. You know, whatever, pro athlete, the whole thing. On the customs form, thinking I'm, thinking I'm the man. Come, get home, my sister says to me, my sister was a school teacher at the time, and she said, oh, hey, um, I'll, t- I'll say his name, uh, Gus Rippon. Um, was at this this thing and he said someone said oh it's awesome you play baseball you're into baseball Ryan what about him playing professional baseball and he goes oh he's too fat and lazy he'll be back in a year or two like this and I remember I'm thinking to myself like you know screw that I wrote it up on my wall man I was so like you know like you said you get burnt from it but they're the people just like your physics teacher you know you should be leaving him passes for his whole family because obviously for you that just fuels you and makes you just push 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 to where you're at now right yeah yeah, I mean, it does, you know. I mean, I remember I was never – I made um, – I was never the, the top prospect, even in high school. Like, I remember the Washington – the Baseball Northwest list came out. I was, did, like, fourth on it. And I did, knew everybody – Did you get drafted out of high school? No, no. I did not. not you know, even close? State, or? I mean, not to, like, brag. I was like, I'll state player of the year, you know. Like, yeah. tasting myself right now. But, like, you know, like, <laughs> I wasn't drafted. You know what I mean? And it was yeah. like, you know, I was around – you know, we had a lot of talented guys. I mean, Jake Lamb was in our high school league, you know, Josh right. Solid. Uh, we got in Tony Bryant, who was my best friend. I mean, he was going 94 from Kennewick. And a guy named James Robbins, who was drafted by the Tigers and ended up going. And he was going to go to UW. And um, there were lots of guys above me. And I just remember, like, I had them all on my list. You know, guys that – not on my list, but it was just like, they think I'm better. And that's cool. And was this the right way to feel me? No, it wasn't. And it's not – I understand, like, I'm going to bring the best out of myself. If someone else has to do that, there's a, there's a new self-evaluation that needs to happen. Right. But I knew that when I got in those situations, it was, like, in high school. Now, half those guys became my teammates at college, right? But, like, in high school, it was, like, okay, no, here we go. You know, like, you know, it's me versus him. And that wasn't right. And I, I've, I feel like I've grown from that now. But, like, sometimes those things get going and you just feed off it and you roll, right? And – but you can't force that. You know what I mean? It can't yeah. be something – like force that's when you have so much inner turmoil and, and that happens yeah and, and and that's and you talked about the balance point earlier on and you know i my wife says to me all the time like you can't rely on other people burning you or saying negative things about you to fuel that fire you have to get that within yourself there's just times where i kind of get on the uh i get lazy i just get complacent that's what happened to me 2010 man i man i was just like oh I'm, I'm good i've got this figured out i can stroll into this arbitration year with a with a four and a half and i'm good man i got my butt kicked right it was, it was nuts hey now real quick we started this little this this um this game last year in detroit yeah <laughs> what happened anyway so back to that real quick and i want to talk about being present because in that game you're having a massive 2019 you're rolling you're playing the mariners at six to three at this point kyle yeah. seager had already taken you deep oh, oh. I, yeah. like you know it's like one of those like hey you know what whatever. no he'll let you know he let me know about that first day in the gym Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I, I right. my paper after too when they asked me about it, and I kicked myself for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got in. I think it was you know later on the game, fourth or fifth or sixth inning, whatever it was, and and you're you're about eighty five to ninety pitches in. Six right? seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, right, there you go. So you remember this clearly, right? Yeah. And Rick Anderson comes out and and to talk to you and, and says something to you. What, what does he say to you? Right, right. As, I'm pretty sure right as is Carl Seager's coming up. In that inning, so you're if you remember. Up, I'm getting high. It's the seventh. It's like a 6-3 game. Yeah. So I think um, the tying run is on. It was a crazy inning, too. The inning started out with, um, I mean, we, we had a tough year, right? And we had a lot of injuries. And we had two guys that were just gamers for us all year long, Nico and Brandon Dixon. Brandon played mostly first base. Nico played mostly in the infield. Nico was playing center. Brandon was playing left. Yeah. And, um, like, you know, first time both out there in the outfield with each other and, you know, miscommunication, ball drops, something else happens, like a, maybe a little dink or something like that, like a weird hit or an error. And then I got – and all of a sudden it's going, okay, well, it's the seventh inning um, or sixth or seventh, and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're in a three-run game. A guy that took me deep earlier in the game who I've done pretty good against Kyle in the past. Right. Gotta watch what I say, you know, because that's you know who knows what's gonna happen next time I face them, right? But uh, but but left on left, I mean, you know, you got that massive breaking ball. The odds are in your favor, right? Yeah. At that point, you know, um, it's uh, I and that's a time where I in in the moment I'm thinking I'm present. You know, Rick's going, hey, come out here, make your pitch, 
one at a time and you, you know, go attack like you normally do. But my mind, and this was, this is just the wrong thinking and this is selfish thinking and it's wrong and everything. But I, I wasn't letting go of what happened in the prior to that. And I was like, man, I should be two outs right now facing Seager getting ready to, you know, and that like, I hadn't done that a lot all year. I did sometimes it happened, but I was able to catch it and I wasn't being aware with myself. And, you know, I think I probably fell behind 2-0 on Seager and then I threw a semi-mixing breaking ball and he, he got the barrel out and he hit it. And then I look up and I go, it's 6-6 now. And for me, like, I don't, earned runs, non-earned runs, that stuff doesn't matter to me. It's like, you know, we're playing for the Tigers last year. That was the worst team in baseball. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, I had a chance to have a quick inning here to yeah. shut this team down and go deeper in the game and give myself our team a chance to win. And I just blew it. And then what happens on the next pitch? I throw a first pitch and Murphy hits another back. So they don't back to back twice. Mm-hmm. And now I'm down seven, six. And it's like, and I'm sitting there going like, what just happened? And it's like, those are the ultimate learning moments. And it's like, yeah. shame on me. I was selfish. I made it all about myself. I got two guys grinding their asses off in left mm-hmm. field and center yeah. field. That been battling all year long, doing everything they can for the club, having two really good years. And they're just putting themselves on the line. And I'm, I'm saying pity me on the mound. Like, right. shame, on me. shame on me for not being present for not like being out there for my team and being out there to be selfish. It's like, who am I so special to think I'm going to be the guy that's going to win us a game? I'm not that special. Yeah. There's, there's eight other guys around me. And it's like, man, this is, it was humbling. And walking off that field when you're going, wow, three minutes ago, we had a six three lead and now it's seven, six and you're getting booed off and it's going, this is, you know, and you can look at that two different ways. You're going, Oh, well, most of them were unearned and it was really wasn't that bad of it. It's like, no, shame on me. I could have been present. I should have been present and I should have been there for my teammates because my teammates were there for every 24 starts before that. And it's like, I remember that thinking going like it, it, it bit at my core. And you got to give yourself grace in that moment. Cause otherwise that could snowball and you know, you're, you're being negative and that changes your whole physiological, physiological makeup and everything beyond that too. Right. But it's yeah. like, you're able to calm down in the clubhouse and I'm sitting there going, that was wrong of me. And so many levels, I need to take ownership of my own game and know that everybody on my team is doing everything they can for them. These guys weren't showing me up when I gave up five home runs two yeah. weeks ago right. and had a bad outing. You know, no, they weren't. So why am I doing that? Even if I'm not doing it outwardly, why am I doing it in my head? Right. Um, and it's catching me yourself in those moments and saying, okay, one, I give myself grace, but I got to give everybody else grace too. And I got to be there for my teammates. I got to be like, this is on me. There's no pointing fingers. Like, this is on me. I wasn't present. If I can be yeah. present and attack one pitch at a time, I can live with that home run. But I wasn't in that moment. I wasn't attacking one pitch at a time. And then as those pitches kept going, I wasn't there. And that was, that like, for me, that's why you said that game. I remember because it was, I went up and had a bad outing the next day too. And I was, <clears throat> I was dealing with some fatigue at the time. And there was a lot of other stuff going on, but like that wasn't in my mechanic. You know, like, I can go back and say, man, look at this chunk of games. And I was doing some things differently. Right. Mentally, physically, and I can, I can, who knows if I did them differently if I gave me success, but I know that it wasn't right. But like, um, I remember the next game I came and I actually got my teeth kicked in again by Kansas City. It was like a rough little two or three start stint late in the year. And, but I remember going to Kansas City and I was like, I attacked, didn't work out, but I can live with that. And it was like, then I didn't do that against Seattle at, in Detroit, you know. And did you like, after you have a game like that, and this is one thing I think separates guys like you and having the years you're starting to put together now, 2018, 20, 2019, and, and starting to be an established, one of the best pitchers in the game, uh, one of the best lefties in the game. Two things. One, you know, you watch these guys pitch with runners in scoring position, runner on second, what do they do? You know, they don't crumble. Um, the other one is, too, is that four days in between, if you have a rough outing like that, you know, like, like against the Mariners, right, those four days in between I think are so crucial when it comes to, and you talked about, you know, not anchoring and how it changes you, you know, in the future, the physical. What are the things you do day one, day two, day three, leading into that next start to just say, all right, bad game. I'm not going to sit on this. I'm not going to worry about my breaking ball against the lefty that got hit. You know, I mean, that's the one thing. When my career took an absolute cliff dive, the four days in between crushed me. Yeah. 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 You know, um, one big thing for me is understanding what nothing is good and nothing is bad. It's just all, it's just me. It's just is what it is. And the second that you label something as good or bad, it's, um, you're, you're 
you're really predisposing yourself to the feelings beyond that, right? Right, yeah. A pitch isn't good or a pitch isn't bad. It's just, this is what it is. Okay, I was right here on it. Well, let's get right here on this one. Mm-hmm. That outing as a whole, was it good or bad? And it just, it was. There's things I can do different in every outing, and I'm going to continue to grow in that, right? So that was the kind of thing is just saying, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And like, you know, it's kind of like that same feeling. It's like what you're describing on the, you described the front end of it, and it's like you're in the clubhouse with the guy, and they're going, man, you feel good today? And it's like, and I always say this now, and I think my teammates look at me like I'm crazy, and it's kind of like, I don't know. I know what I'm going to go do. <laughs> like, oh, you big outing today, right? You're going to shut them down? I go, I don't know, but I know what I'm going to go do when I get the ball. And that's right. like, I actually believe yeah. that now because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I can go make 10 perfect pitches and I could walk two guys and be 2-0 on the next guy, you know? I go make 10 perfect pitches and I could give up four home runs, you know? It's happened before in my career. I could go beat the worst pitches and then all of a sudden you're, you've thrown 20 pitches and you're in the fourth inning. And you're going, this is amazing, you know? Like, you don't know what's going to happen, but I know what I expect of myself. And when I know what I expect of myself day in and day out and so on, that's when things can grow. Um, real quick, just, just, on, just on what's happening right now with MLB and the owners, um, because I know a lot of people want to know from a player's point of view, yeah, from the owners and the players, excuse me, what, how do you feel about it from a player where you sit? Man, there are – we want to play baseball more than anything. Um, we had an agreement in March that we – that was pretty clear mm-hmm. and uh you know we're just asking that that be honored um we want to get on the field uh i mean not only for ourselves but for everybody else this game is so much bigger than us it's about yeah. you know this game transcends generations and there are so many people right now that are going through so much worse that this game can bring a lot of good if it's back out there yeah and the differences that we're discussing are petty and small compared to what's going on on a global crisis you know there are real heroes out there and there are real people that are suffering for reasons that they shouldn't be suffering um and all that makes it tough to kind of have the conversations that we're having about baseball with the owners um you know that being said the game is bigger than the current generation it's it's preserving it for the generations to come just as you are a recipient from the generations before you i'm a yeah. recipient of what you guys did for us and so on and so forth so you know, with that, we know we need to stand by because um, it's not our game. It's not our individual game. It's, it's a game that is a gift and it's gifted to us. It's not the owner's game. It's not the player's game. It's, it's, it's everybody's game. And it's gifted to us year in and year out, generation to generation. You know, my grandfather talks about getting to watch guys that I only could dream about. I see their plaques in Cooperstown. I mean, I wonder what it was like. And he, he got to tell me about going down to Ebbets Field and things like that. Right. So, you know, this game is passed on and it's, and, but with that, you know, we have to preserve it for the next generation as well. And, um, and sometimes that's the integrity of the game. Sometimes that's the side of things that we're talking about. And given the backdrop of everything going on, it is, it's ugly. It shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we thought we have, we we're standing by the agreement that we made and, uh, we want to get out there and play as many games as possible. We'll play all the way to Thanksgiving if they let us. You know, we're ready to um, as a players' union. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that soon here this is going to happen and we'll be out there, you know, enjoying not only America's pastime, but, you know, a game that is a world game and, and doing out there, you know, very soon, um, playing it with passion and integrity. I know there's going to be a season this year. I'm just hoping it's sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. Matt, this has been good, man. I know you got to run, but um, I'm going to hold you to it. You're going to come back on and join me in another time because I want to talk about the charity as well. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. Dude. Right, we did a pro- and again, hopefully next time I see you, this is why I'm, I'm teasing this. So you're going to be yeah. forced to come back on. But I remember we were doing a pregame show and, and they basically showcased that we're playing the Tigers. And I'm sitting there like, uh, because I only saw like a snippet of it, yeah. of everything you're doing. And I'm like, I didn't know what to say. Like, they're like, oh, Ryan, what are your thoughts? I'm like, are you kidding me? Because usually players and, and I was, you know, they attach themselves to some charity that, you know, that's kind of one of the classics, you know, one of the generic, not generic ones, but something that, but that is like on a whole nother level. So I, I really want to talk to you about that. Let's um, talk about it next time. Yeah, for sure. But this has been fun, mate. And uh, I'll let you get off and uh, and and uh, hopefully we can play in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely, Ryan. Let's, uh, let's do it again next week. Sounds good, mate. Awesome.
Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Top Step and you heard Matt Boyd say he's going to join me again for part two. We just had way too much to get to. I only got through half of my notes, but so much fun uh, chat with him. Now, I said this in the in the intro. Uh, if you got emails, any uh, requests for guests or anything you want to discuss, um, write me an email. Any questions you got, write me an email and I'll get to it uh, before the next show for sure. That'd be fun. I know I've gotten a couple emails about different questions and stuff like that, but uh, go to www.thetopstep.com uh, and fire away. Uh, make sure you check out some of the old episodes as well. There's a lot of good ones as baseball's getting close to returning, I hope. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Make sure you click subscribe, all the good stuff. And, uh, and look out, I've got something really cool coming onto the website or YouTube. I'm not quite sure where yet. It's going to be cool. Make sure you check it out, and we'll see you next week on The Top Step. Feel like you just give up.